the ever-present God. This is, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the things that C.H. Spurgeon said when he was talking about the unchangeable Christ. He said, before the first star was kindled, before the first living creature began to sing the praise of its creator, he loved his church with an everlasting love. He spied her in the glass of predestination. He pictured her by his divine foreknowledge and he loved her with all his heart. And it was for this cause that he left his father and became one with her that he might redeem her. It was for this cause that he went with her through all this veil of tears, discharged her debts, bore her sins in his own body on the tree. For her sake he slept in the tomb and with the same love that brought him down he has gone up again and with the same heart beating true to the same blessed betrothment he has gone into the glory waiting for the marriage day when he shall come again to receive his perfected spouse who shall have made herself ready by his grace. Never for a moment, whether as God over all, blessed be forever, or as God and man in one divine person, or as dead and buried, or as risen or ascended, never has he changed in the love he bears for his chosen. He is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, and today and forever. Amen. Spurgeon had a way. For a while now, I've been excited and thankful to the Lord for his unchanging purpose. It's a love that never falters, he never retracts it, it's ever extended towards us in Jesus Christ. His nature is unblemished and eternal, and Psalm 50 says, From Zion, Perfect in beauty, God shines forth. The, the, the absolute perfection of God, the beauty of every aspect of who He is, shines in glory. And His inability to be unfaithful or to break His word or to tempt people to evil are all cause for great praise. But we live in a broken world where evil lurks and enemies want to devour and it's easy to forget under the pressure of the moment or the pain of the times that God is with us always and He will never change. So this morning's message is kind of like a memory stone. It's a reminder and hopefully a safe place for us to re-engage with this beauty and this King that loves us so much. I love it. The, the psalmist said from everlasting, if you look back into everlasting to everlasting, Look into the future. God's love is with those who fear Him. For all time backwards and for all time forwards, God has extended His love to us in Christ Jesus. And uh, He's very great and He's wholly trustworthy and He's completely faithful and He's eternally unchanging and He's demonstrably unbeatable and He is absolutely committed to you in Christ. That's good news. And when you believe in the one that he sent, his kindness and his love were focused on you in an uninterrupted stream and he will never leave or forsake you. Now I'm not saying anything new here. There's nothing that's not obvious and profound and we've heard many, many times in scripture. This is very, very clear. Jesus said, I, this is the most in the, in the Greek, in the New Testament, the most emphatic statement is the one found in Hebrews that says, I will not, 
I swear I will not, I assuredly will not ever leave you or forsake you. I would never, ever do that. It's basically what the Greek says. I swear I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'll never turn my back on you. I'll never look away from you. I'll never stop watching you. I'll never stop loving you. I will never leave you. Now there's no one in this room who hasn't heard that. It's good to be reminded, Paul said, because it's a safeguard for you. Now this week, three touch points that <clears throat> really provoked me and prodded me because I, I was going in a different direction with the sermon, but I felt like there were three touch points and I just want to mention them to you so that you're on the same page with me. Number one, I was reading a book, How Heaven Invades Your Finances and, uh, by Jim Baker, not that Jim Baker, a different Jim Baker. And uh, <clears throat> he said, worry is a temporary insanity because it's imagining a future without God. Isn't that cool? That was, worth, that was worth the price of admission, just that statement. Yeah. Worry is a temporary insanity because it imagines a future without God. And when I thought about that, I thought, you know, that's absolutely true. Every time I start to worry, it's because I don't think God's gonna be there when I get there. <clears throat> but when I know He's gonna be with me, then I go, that's why Jesus said, why are you worrying? If, if you understand the realities of what's going on, if you know my Father, if you know me, then worry is not part of the equation. <laughs> Why would God not be the same in our future? What events in this created universe can occur that will make the Creator change His mind or change His heart? And the answer is there is simply nothing on this earth, in this heaven, on this earth, that can change the nature of our God. And the God who is irrevocably in a covenant with the, with the blood of his own son, he made a covenant and he swore an oath with an uplifted arm, I will be your covenant partner and I cannot break, this covenant cannot be broken. I will not be shaken from this purpose. And the Bible says in Hebrews 6, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what he promised, he he confirmed it by an oath, said that by two unchangeable things. He cut a covenant and he swore an oath. It is impossible for God to lie so that we who flee to take hold of that hope may be greatly encouraged. God means for you to know how absolutely committed he is to you and his love for you cannot be broken. He's bound himself to you in covenant and he's bound himself to you by swearing an oath in which these two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to break. That's how God bound himself. He wanted you to be that sure and me. The book goes on. He said, what praise and worship is to God, anxiety and worry is to mammon. Both are a pledge of allegiance. So right now and right here, let's make a pledge of allegiance to the king and his kingdom. That we're gonna praise him because he never changes. How about that? And if that doesn't excite you, then may I suggest that you have a perspective problem. Well, I'm not happy with the way God moved in the past. You know, or I'm not so thrilled about why God's moving with me right now. So I'm worrying about the future. Well, I think the fact that you're worrying about the future is because you have a perspective problem about now or the past. Something is off. 
Worship and not worry is coming out of our mouths. Praise, not pessimism, is going to be my habit. The second touch point I had this week was early on the week when I was just spending some time with the Lord and journaling. This is what he said in my journal. I'll meet you in the moments that you create for us. Did you imagine that I was the only creator in this relationship? No. I'll meet you in the moments of your creation. You too can imagine and dream, and I can accommodate you in these. So dream, son. Ask big. I will answer you. I'll keep you in the future. I will not forsake you, even when you're old and gray. There too, I will keep you. I said, Lord, the Lord keeps talking to me about my future. He keeps talking to me about, hey, I'm going to meet you in the future. And I said, Lord, that's so kind. Thank you. Because just like I am, just like I've been with you, just like I am with you, I'm going to be with you in the future. I was like, Lord, that's, that's very sweet. But along with that, there's an invitation to dream and to imagine and to ascribe greatness to God in the middle of pressures. I have immediate authority over my own inner world and you and I can make some choices about how we manage that. I don't have authority over the whole world, but I do have authority over my life and you have authority over yours. So let's make some choices to dream and to imagine the goodness of God. You cannot exaggerate God's goodness and you cannot imagine His greatness even though you try. Go for it, try, I dare you. You won't even come close. You can't overstate His goodness. And He said, imagine son, I'll join you in those times. I'll join you in the moments you create. That's pretty cool. And there in your future, there too I will keep you. So I was like, oh, that's very cool. And then I was driving down the road, third point, was listening to the song Make A Way but not off the new Elevation album. And the, the lyrics go, I won't fear tomorrow because you're already in it. And I was like, Lord, I get it. I get it. You're speaking to me. Okay, I'll preach a different message on Sunday. <laughs> Whatever comes next, God is with us. His rod and His staff, they're gonna comfort us. And He's preparing a table for us in the presence of our enemies and His goodness and His loving kindness have been commissioned not only to go ahead of us, but to follow behind us and they're gonna follow us every single day of the rest of our lives. So let's build for ourselves a picture, shall we? God is great and He is faithful throughout all ages. In Deuteronomy 7 this is what he said, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commandments. A thousand generations of 40 years is 40,000 years. God will keep, he, he, if He makes a promise to one of your ancestors, He remembers it for 40,000 years at a minimum. Now that's not a literal statement, but the, the basic idea is like God's gonna remember this forever. Psalm 100, the Lord is good. Do you understand? It's, it talks about His God, He's faithful, He's good. And His love endures forever. Beyond your latest weakness, beyond the last time you didn't live up to all expectations, beyond the, uh, the lack of energy and the, and, the, and the pressures that you're under, beyond all of that, easily and comfortably, His love endures. Psalm 119, your faithfulness continues through all generations. 
Do you know why? Because God existed before this creation. God exists, He is, and He he does not change. This is who He is. And in the middle of His existence, He made for a little sliver of time, there's going to be a physical universe. And He's made it and we're living in it, but He doesn't change. So through all these generations, because there's coming a time when He's gonna wrap this up. Current heavens and earth are reserved for fire, the scripture says. This little created universe is is a little piece on the continuum of God, who He is. He does not change. And so wherever you are on this continuum, He is the same. When God was revealing Himself to Moses, Moses said, God, you have to tell me who you are. Give me a name. Give me a name that describes you, that I can go back and say to Israel, this, this is your God, this is His name. This is, this is his defining characteristic. This is his name. And God said, I'll, I'll reveal myself to you. And he walked about, he said, but you can't handle. You can't handle my goodness. If I showed you my goodness, you're dead. So I'm gonna walk by and I'm gonna cover you. I'm gonna shield you from the full force of my goodness because you'll die. So I'm gonna walk by and you can have a little glimpse of the, the little back part And he walked by Moses and he said, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israel. I am sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. What's your name? I exist. I was, I am, I will be. The being, the was, and the coming is the literal Greek in that. I was, I now am, and I will be in the future. This is how the Lord reveals himself. Great and faithful every time. Let me take you to Revelation 1. 1 verse 4 and 1 verse 8. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne. Verse eight, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. He is in every time that has ever or ever will exist, the ever-present God. I was. I am, I will be. And I wanna just talk about those three very briefly when we're gonna pray. I wanna talk about the God who was, the King of our yesterdays. The King who walked with us through whatever we went through. Uh, many people have gone through some highs and lows. There's been some really great times and there are, there are highs, peaks and valleys. The, the, the peaks are beautiful in those moments where God showed up and we experienced His glory and we tasted the power and we, we asked and He answered and it was glorious and it was demonstrable and we have those high points. We go, praise God, I want some more. Do it again. And then we all have valleys where it was just brutal and tough and life kicked us and people were horrible and, and it wasn't a happy season and it was really harsh. And um, sometimes in the yesterday, uh, some ideas about who God is and about how life works and about who we are are formed and those are not always accurate. 
Psalm 102. In the beginning you laid the foundation of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They'll all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you'll change them and they'll be discarded. But you remain the same. Your years never end. Catch a picture of who God is. He was with you in the past. He did not change. He has not grown. He has not changed his mind. Now, there's a slight problem because when we're talking about the God who was, some of you are going, well, I had some bad yesterdays. Some of those were horrible. And where was God? And why wasn't he kinder to me? And why didn't he stop? And we get into the whole knotted discussion that comes out of our wounding. It's a fascinating thing if you get into psychology and you, 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 you read up a little bit about the psychology of memory. And uh, this happened the other day because Michelle mentioned an event and she told the story about the event and I remembered it completely differently. She actually remembered that I wasn't even there. <laughs> and I was like, I was standing right next to you. And she goes, no, you were away. One of those times you were away. I go, no, I was... We had, we had, both of us had 20-20 memory about something that was completely different. <laughs> There's a thing called confabulation, where your brain will automatically fill in the gaps. Everybody does this. Confabulation, you're, because you're, you get little bits of information and your brain fills in, colors in between the lines and goes, that's what happened. And that didn't actually happen, that's your brain making sense of something that you've heard about or you experience a little piece of. This gets worse as you get older. It really does, it really does. confabulation. There's, there's misleading post-event information. Like information you learn after the event that can change your memory of the event. You go, oh, he, he, was, such an, he was so nice to me. Someone goes, yeah, he was only doing that because he's trying to get your money. You go, that dog, he was horrible to me. <laughs> there's a, there's a <laughs> post-event information can change the way you remember something. It's a fascinating thing. There's issues like priming that leads to, like, some people call it suggestion or presupposition. Where you can go, uh, how, how short was that person? As opposed to how tall was he? You, you go, oh yeah, he was quite short actually. Right? Basically, the point is, whether you're never gonna feel like it, but you have, Memory problems. <laughs> Some of the things that happened in your past are not entirely as accurate as you remember them. And some of the implications from what happened in your past are not as entirely accurate as you may think they are. Basically, memories are vulnerable bits of information that are stored in our brain that will change over time. And while we assume that our memories are accurate, it's not necessarily always the case. Now, add to that, there is a deceiver who wants to alter our perception of what the Lord was doing and how kind God was. And this deceiver wants to whisper lies because he's called the father of lies and he, he's trying to get you to remember or to perceive something that is inaccurate. So what I want us to do is just take a little moment and offer our yesterdays to the Lord. Let's bring them to Him as a sacrifice on the altar. This is fundamentally the premise of all theophostic counseling, is to 
take somebody back in the presence of the Lord to an event that's traumatic and say to, say to them, let's ask the Lord what he was doing. It's the fundamental premise of all theophostic counseling so that the Lord himself can explain to them, this is what was going on. And some of you have got scars. Some of you are saying, but, but I applied 89 times and I got rejected 89 times, 88 times. And for some people, they go, that's a wounding and I get it. I get it, it's not easy. I'm not saying everything that happened to you was great or easy or, or, or that was normal. I'm just going, I get the pain. I understand. But the best thing we can do, because he's the God, he, he's, he's the king of our yesterdays, that we can come and say, Lord, would you, would you explain to me what you were doing? Could you show me what was going on? When I first came to the States, I was about five years in and the church was growing slowly and I was huffed because I, in, in, in South Africa, I was well known and I had a lot fastest growing church and I was doing stuff and I had plans to speak to two and a half million people a day through various radio stations and I, I was working on the, you know, I had plans. I was going to speak to two and a half million people a day and own education in my city and I was fired up and, and I was here and then I was preaching to about 60 people and I said to the Lord, hmm. I got these 60 and I, I could have been preaching to two and a half million and I don't, think this is, I don't think this is working. And the Lord said to me, you assume you'd still be alive if you stayed. I go, yeah, I did sort of assume that. <laughs> See, we know a tiny sliver of what's going on and the Lord has the whole picture and he goes, hey, I want you to do this. Well, I don't think. Well, it wasn't for my best interest. I, I, it wasn't the best thing for my career. He goes, yeah, yeah. No, no, I need you to listen to me. I need you to listen. To, heads up, look at me. I want you to do this. See, sometimes in the middle of our obedience, we can get knotted up. And when you take a little moment to ask the Lord, he'll explain to you how he's being faithful to you. How kind he's been to you. How beautiful the plan that he has planned for you. Because he dreamed a dream for you. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and to bless you and to give you hope and to give you a future. Whatever happened in your yesterday has no power to change who he was for you. And who he is today and who is going to be in your tomorrow. So there are some great memories and if you walk through them with the Holy Spirit, He can explain and fill in your understanding with truth that'll bless you all over again at His kindness. And if there are some horrible memories, I just wanna encourage you to walk through them with Jesus and ask Him to help you heal. Because last week I felt like the Lord said, tell the church there's such a, there's such a future ahead of you that I wanna heal you of the past. That's part of the reason why he said, I want to heal backs. I want to heal people's backs because I want, I want a physical sign in the church of a spiritual reality. It's time to deal with the past and launch and lurch into the future. Some of us in the room need to make Jesus the king of our yesterdays and not our hurts and not our disappointments. He's the God of our today. Paul prayed, he said, I, I, in Colossians 1.9, I've not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the spiritual wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. See, there is spiritual wisdom and understanding given by the Holy Spirit. 
And if, you, if you're not in, in, in relationship and fresh talks with the Holy Spirit, sometimes we can miss the, the wisdom and the understanding that the Spirit gives. And if you're absent the, the understanding and the wisdom the Spirit gives, all you can see is the natural. And I just want to submit to you as a born-again, blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ, you were not designed to function outside the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit's fellowship. <laughs> he says, I am right now the supreme commander, the Lord of everything. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never abandon you. And if there's something in your life that feels like that's not true, then change your perspective and ask him to help you. The same God whose love for you compelled him to come into this world and to endure the cross, he's in mid-stride with you in your life. He's busy making things beautiful and astounding. He's not finished his work with you. But he will not change. We need understanding for our yesterdays, but we also need our perspective for our now. Some people in this room, you need a now perspective from the Holy Spirit. Because some of you are sitting in doom and gloom and you should be sitting and shouting and rejoicing because God is doing something profound for you. The two twins, the old story, you know the story. One was a pessimist, one was the optimist. <coughs> Took him to a psychiatrist. The father said, you've got to balance him up a little here. He said, well, fill the pessimist's room with toys, just floor to ceiling and just... And he said, what about the optimist? He goes, just put a pile of dung. So he goes in, there's a little pessimist sitting amongst the toys. He's going, I don't even like these toys. The boy next door's got more toys than these. Okay. Closes the door, opens up the door. There's a the little optimist running, digging through the dung. He says, what are you doing? He goes, you can't fool me. Where there's dung, there must be a pony. I'm not just talking about pessimism and optimism. I'm, I'm talking about the wisdom and the understanding the Holy Spirit can give. Some of us need to pray that prayer. Lord, give me understanding about what you're doing and who you are for me. What are you doing for me right now? Because I promise you, I swear this to you by the authority of the Word of God, this God is working in your life right now, even though you don't perceive it. Sometimes. Malachi 3 or if you're Italian, Malachi 3, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. God said, I don't change. That's why you're not destroyed. Because if I was open to being changeable, I would have destroyed you about 20 times already. I, the Lord, do not change. So you're still okay. <laughs> That's true. His immutability... <clears throat> His unchanging nature and purpose are a great comfort and a backdrop, but what is up to right now in your life, you need to ask the Holy Spirit who knows the secret things of God. He's the God of our todays, infinitely bigger and better than you can think. And His Spirit wants to lead us into the revelation of Him. Ephesians 1.17, I keep praying that God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Tell me about the Father. Show me something about Jesus. Great questions. The King of our yesterdays, the God of our today, and the Lord of our tomorrows. The God who was and is and is to come.
Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's gone ahead in line with his dreams for you into your tomorrow. He's already sent a ram walking up the other side of the hill to get caught in the thicket in the place he's commanded you to go and make a sacrifice. He's already done that. He's already seen to it. He already is the God who has seen to it. That's what Yahweh Jireh means. The God who has already seen to what you have yet to understand is your need. He's already gone ahead of you. He's already stocked the provisions. The larder, the pantry is full and ready for what God has called you to. And your job is not to worry about what's going on tomorrow. Your job and my job is to listen to what he's telling us today. To be about that Deserved an amen, if you excuse me. Amen, I love that idea. <clears throat> Numbers 23. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do? Has he spoken, and will he not make it good? Of course. The God who never lies has made promises to you. He hasn't forgotten that. He hasn't backed off one. He's waiting for you with great plans to bless you and to give you hope and to give you a future. He's been planning and dreaming and providing for a future for you. And the worst response you and I can offer is worry and doubt. It's our job to offer praise and thanksgiving and to enjoy the peace offering that we bring. Peace offerings were the only offerings that was free will. You didn't bring it because it was gonna cleanse you of your sin, you brought it because you wanted to just say thank you to the Lord. So the one offering was called a peace offering, you brought it voluntarily just to say, Lord, I just wanna bless you, thank you for your kindness to me. And the second peace offering was a peace offering you brought when you fulfilled a vow like a vow that was costly and you brought a peace offering on top of the vow because you're saying, I'm at peace with how much this cost me. But a peace offering you sat down and you ate of it along with the priest. You enjoyed the peace that was created by a peace offering. And some people need to offer the, a peace offering today. To say to the Lord, you are my God and I am here because you've been kind to me and you've washed me clean and you've drawn me close and you've been faithful to me all my life and I just wanted to come to say I'm bringing this peace offering and to, to share the peace that that offering brings in your life that's part of what God wants to do Psalm 139 David said this where can I go from your spirit where can I flee from your presence if I go up to the heavens you were there if I make my bed in the depths you were there if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me, then even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. In all spheres, at all times, in all destination, and in whatever state of being you happen to find yourself in, He has hemmed you behind and before and laid His hand on you and you 
cannot escape his presence and you cannot break free of his love. Today I want to close this with a prayer for some people because you have to deal with the past. Maybe, maybe you've got to a place where you can open up again and invite the presence of the Lord into your past memories. Because there's a tremendous healing presence here today of the Holy Spirit who wants to heal you. And some of you are going, I, uh, I, need, I need to have some perspective of what's going on right now in my life. And some people need hope for the future. I need understanding about who the king of my yesterday was for me. And I need perspective, wisdom, revelation about who he is as the God of my today and I need hope and imagination for who he's going to be as the Lord of my tomorrow. The power of this message happens in the next 90 seconds. And it doesn't happen up here. It happens in your heart. It's what you choose to do. Maybe you want to say, Lord, I'm opening up my past to you. King of my, king of my yesterday. Come and flood my life. Maybe it's, you be the God of my now. Come and give me understanding. Show me what you want. Maybe it's a call to the Lord of my tomorrow. Give me peace. Give me hope. Why don't you bow your heads with me and let's do business with this king. You are the king of our yesterdays who was and is and is to come. And Lord, I pray across this room for any of the memories, any of the brokennesses, any of the woundings or the hurts or the scars that have attached themselves to people's lives, Lord, the, the imperfect and skewed memories. Holy Spirit, would you come right now to everybody whose heart is open and would you refresh and revive and restore and remind and reorient the frame. Would you bring healing, Lord, and life? Would you show people where you were, what you were thinking, what you were dreaming, and how your love for them never changed in the king of my yesterday? Pour out grace, Lord, until the yesterdays overflow with grace and love. And Lord, right now we need you to be the God of our today. So we're asking for perspective and wisdom and revelation that only your spirit can give. Holy Spirit, would you give me, would you give us fresh perspective? Would you open our ears and our eyes to understand and perceive what it is that you're doing and what you're about right now and how we can best cooperate with you? 
We open up our today, Lord, to you. Be the God of my today. And Lord, be the Lord of my tomorrow. For everyone, Lord, who's been worried and scared and fearful and broken about the future, I pray, Lord, that you'd inject hope and imagination and faith. And I thank you, Lord, that the best days are yet ahead. The best days are coming up. And I release, Lord, your faith to your people. And I break, Lord, every lie that has been so carefully spun by the enemy. Every lie, every false impression, every imagination that sets itself up against the truth of God. We break it now in Jesus' name. And we release your people, Lord, to a brand new day. King of our yesterdays, God of our todays, Lord of our tomorrows, who is and was and is to come. We surrender to you, Lord, and we give you lordship of it all. In Jesus' name, amen.